Welcome to the latest episode of Vinyl and Vision. I am your host, Jimmy Drapp, and this is my show. Welcome. Tonight's very special guest is Brendan Bell. Um, Brendan is in a number, or has been in a number of different projects. Uh, his most notables were, have probably been Groovis Malt, uh, Ibu Gogo, and currently he has a solo project out simply entitled Bell. It's B-E-L-L-L. There's three L's. Um, the album is called One. You are currently listening to a selection from that album, Yeah, Alright. Um, Brennan's a great guy. I've known him for a very long time. I've just been very happy to be able to reconnect with Brendan, uh, you know, at this point in our lives. So, um, yeah, it was a great talk having him. Um, he chose the record uh, Introducing by DJ Shadow, or uh, Introducing DJ Shadow, I guess is what, how you should say it. Um, it's a cool uh, hip-hop record, um, but it's a, it was a great record, it's a great learning experience for me, and uh, it's obviously influenced Brendan a lot, and uh, you can kind of see that um, with some of his new music especially. Um, but uh, yeah, let's just get into the talk, because uh, we do a lot of uh, catching up, and uh, I thought it was great. So um, before I get the episode started, I just wanted to mention a few things. I'd like to say just thank you to everybody who's been uh, tuning in so far. Um, I sometimes forget to mention that, and um, we have started a new uh, website. Uh, Psychic Static has a website called uh, PsychicStatic.net, and it's the company that is uh, producing Vinyl and Vision from uh, from now on. So um, the website has just been put up; it's brand new. So it's still kind of under construction, but it's still a little bit of stuff there. Um, particularly, the podcast will now live there. Um, it'll still be on all the other platforms, so wherever you're listening, you can still listen and subscribe there. But uh, a feed will also be on the website, um, the video and the audio. Um, it just basically connects you to our uh, primary feeds, the uh, SoundCloud for the audio and the YouTube for the video. So you can still subscribe there if you have accounts and, um, and uh, follow everywhere else. It has links for all the pages, all the uh, social medias, because you know how we like you to do the thing you do with the internet. So, um, you know, go visit the website, go su- subscribe to the shows, um, look out for more content because that's the thing, is that they're reaching out to try to make more content from other providers, like other, other acts and whatever you call these people, podcasters, that's what we are, I guess. Um, also, merch will be coming. Uh, Going to start making some t-shirts um, and other kind of, like, artistic fashion apparel, I guess you can call it. Um, so yeah, I'm just very excited to do that, and uh, thank you for listening, and thank you for checking that out in advance if you do. Um, you can also send messages through there, uh, you know, contact the, the company and send an email to them directly to their website, and um, and the store, the record store is living there now. So that's probably what's going to be under construction for the longest amount of time, okay? So, because it takes a long time to put records up. So, um, that will be coming very soon. There's a few things up there right now. Uh, it'll just constantly be growing. So it's just like one of those things you're going to want to bookmark and just kind of keep on checking back in on. And, uh, without further ado, here's the rest of our show. Thank you. Enjoy. 
Hey. Yo, man. What's going on? So, uh, yeah, man. Um, geez. It's nice to see you. It's been yeah, a long time. Nice. Yeah. Like you, like most people from Cranston, you, you don't age. <laughs> I was uh, <laughs> contemplating shaving, and I was just like, oh, well, now I'll definitely look like I'm 17 if I do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> there is something weird, man. There's a certain contingent of, like, Cranston folks that don't seem to age that that much. Yeah. I, I don't know what the, what it is. It was the water. I don't know, man. Whatever it was. Let's not, <laughs> let's not ruin it for for everybody. You know, Cranston will be uh, over overrun now by people looking for the fountain of youth. Yeah, looking for that youth fountain. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's the Taco Bell on Reservoir Ave. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's we'll it. Keep... Is that where you spent all your days back then? <laughs> we we did actually uh, do a lot of cutting of class to go to Taco Bell during. We had like a library period. It was like a study hall or something. Yeah. We used to always go get lunch. Um, Mrs. Johnson Harris, do you remember her? She used to let us go. She was the librarian. She lived in my neighborhood at one point and walked her cat on a leash. She's one of those types, huh? Yeah. My wife, my wife does that, so I'm not really, I'm not really, really? Uh, slamming that. Yeah, yeah. She she likes to take them out on the leash every when they can. Like sometimes they don't like it. They try to yeah, get out. Yeah, I, I don't know if this dude would would go for it. Um, I'd like to try though. Go for it. Yeah, he yeah. seems to enjoy. I mean, he stares out the window all day, so he seems like he wants to get out. But oh, he wants to get out for sure. Just yeah. maybe not on a leash. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. For sure. Cool, man. So I feel like we have like a lot to get into, and uh, yeah, let's do it. We already had like such a long talk just a few days ago, and we we already t like kind of discussed so much. Um, I, I don't really have a lot to say about the record that you chose because. Um, not not because I don't like it. I think it's a great record. Yeah. I just um, there was really a lot like not a lot of uh, information about it, like good and like useful facts about it. Yeah, it has kind of like a mystery quality to it. There's not a lot. Yeah. Even I've looked into trying to find more information about like how it was constructed at different times in my life, and there really yeah there really isn't that much out there. Yeah. Um, which kind of makes it more interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's definitely heralded as one of like the most, uh, probably the one of the most influential records on hip hop uh, from the '90s. It, yeah, uh, definitely like uh, ethereal instrumental hip hop, kind of like burgeoning on electronic music. Um, right. Definitely, probably like the quintessential like quote unquote trip hop album, I guess. Right, right. Kind of a yeah. birth from trip hop, I guess, especially being from uh, Mowax, right? That was the label it was on. Um, Moax was like a British kind of like fledgling hip hop uh, label. I think they started as like an acid jazz label and then like tried to get a little more into the hip hop world. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was stuff before it that was trip hop -y, and this kind of like merged it more with like traditional hip hop in a different way. Yeah. yeah. Um, being that it was like completely comprised of samples. Right. Um, you know, that's, no, that's the no. other big fact. Yeah, that's a yeah, right. It's a pretty big feat, especially when you listen to it. Like, it, there's a lot of stuff that you're like, really, like, all of this is put together from just samples. But right. Well, I mean, it's not. I don't think that it. it it's hard to 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 fathom, because I mean, sampling, for, you know, is just basically taking little pieces of you know recorded music already, right, and then just kind of like reworking it into to some different type of music. For sure. Different style or just another different composition altogether. 
yeah, I think it gets more impressive when you start combining like ten albums or something in one two minute part or something, you know, yeah. pieces pieces from that. And it sounding like a cohesive piece of music, you know. Right, right. But yeah. he came more of like a hip hop background, which is different than I think some of the some of the other artists in that genre of the time. You know. Yeah. I think he was more firmly in like making beats for rappers, you know, as opposed to making this, like, other mood music or whatever. And then right. he just ended up doing that, you know? Yeah. So do, do you know a lot about his history? Like, or have you been a big fan for a long time, or...? Um, I think I mentioned it to you before that, like, this is really my only DJ Shadow kind of thing. Like, this is the only record I really ever got into by, by him, and it's not because I don't... I have listened to other ones, not that I don't enjoy them, it's just that, like, this one, this was enough for me. It was like yeah. he did, he kind of did what he does at his best almost. And I, and I, it's kind of mean of me to not care, I guess, about anything else. But this, this one does it for me. And I, I kind of feel like I don't need any more. Right. It's, as an artist, that's a horrible thing to say because I would never want someone to be like, oh yeah, this dude made one record in 1996. And that's all I never, ever need to hear. Right. Uh, well, a lot of people would probably agree with you. So, I mean, it's not like it's... And, and I think that uh, from what I've heard of him say himself, uh, it seems like that's a, that's a widely, um, like, generalization that happens for him. Like, um, most people feel like that record is probably the only record really worth right. listening to as well. And uh, yeah. so I'm, I'm sure that hurts his feelings a little bit too, but... Yeah, no, I think it took him a while. Like, I, I've read some interviews with him and I feel like he did kind of have a chip on his shoulder about that for a while and then kind of, like, eased into it. You know, we get wiser as we get older. Yeah. And he's appreciative of the fact that this was... This hit so hard for so many people. Right. You know, and he still has a viable career, so it's, you know, it's fine. Yeah, for sure. Um, but as far as, like, his background, I mean, I know he's from the Bay Area... I don't really know that that much else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, not worth, not too much worth getting into, really. I mean, like, uh, yeah. so I, I did hear some interviews with him where um, he kind of described like how he first uh, met his uh, longtime visual partner. I think it was the guy from Meat Beat Manifesto. I forget oh. his name, Jack something. I don't know much about that collaboration. Yeah, um, but that was like you know back before he really started doing anything serious and before probably this first record. Right. But. Um, yeah, like I said, not not too much really that I really felt compelled about that I was just like, yeah, this is totally interesting. We got to make make sure to mention this. But uh <laughs> <laughs> I totally I could have picked like a million albums. No, no, but but I I like that I mean, I like that you chose this record because frankly, I mean, I haven't I haven't really spoken to you in so long that I just yeah. kind of became more obsessed with the idea of like, oh, well, what the fuck is Brendan doing? Because <laughs> like I generally have been kind of interested in, in like kind of seeing what you've been up to um yeah. you know so because we we knew each other back in high school uh when you were first in Groove of small when you first started up that band and uh but then from there let's do a quick recap you uh you got you got into um i guess it was johnny classic and the classic johns first um yeah Groove of small was like a thing from for about 10 years um from high school to about 2005 is kind of when it really dissolved um, on our last proper tour, I think it was, we were opening up, uh, it wasn't our last tour, but our last, like, big tour, we were opening up for Sage Francis, we were his backup band and his, uh, opening band. Oh, yeah. So it was really, like, intense tour every night, you know, 
there was a built-in crowd and audience, which was really cool, and it mm. was really great to kind of be in a backup band. It was really fun to not have to be center of attention, just kind of like backing up someone who was the center of attention, which was, which was a good experience. But during that tour, I had a, this Game Boy with me, um, and I had bought this cartridge. It was like it's called Nano Loop 2.0 at the time. There's probably a 3.100. I don't know, um, but. It was in uh, this guy in Germany kind of like hacked into a cartridge, so that you were it it, it tapped into this actual sound chip within the Game Boy, hmm. so you could manipulate the actual sounds like from the sound chip, and you could create all your own sounds, and then you could it had like a sixteen bar sequencer and okay. like it, four tracks, sixteen bars, and you could kind of create these loops, and then within that there was like this kind of a grid of I don't know. 60 or so like loops and you could kind of like then you had to play it with the uh buttons and stuff to kind of like compose it as you were going right so on that tour that's like how i was keeping occupied i was just like making this weird game boy music huh and then when I, I had a job at a liquor store and uh kind of working all day at a liquor store on this thing. and then kind of fleshed it out eventually with, with guitars and vocals and like live instruments to kind of make this strange hybrid of, of Nintendo pop music. Right. So, yeah, I mean, basically I, we, I called it Game Boy Pop because it was all composed on a Game Boy and fleshed out in a... I was really trying to write like a pop record in what, what my way, you know, would mm. be. Um, there's some successes on it. You know, it's a, overall it's a very strange sounding record. Um, but it was the first thing I ever did from start to finish, like, by myself, musically. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I still have cases of it in the basement. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah. When I was, uh, when I listened to your, your uh, interview with JJ, and he mentioned that thing about, like, bringing boxes of, of, of stuff to Salvation Army or whatever, Goodwill, like, around the country. And that, it's funny, because I had that exact idea. When I moved into this house, I had all these boxes of this CD. I'm like, I'm never going to do anything with this. I should just be taking it yeah. to every place that takes free shit and just right. dropping it off. <clears throat> yeah, you know, I thought about that when he said it. It was just like, you know what? You don't really have to go across the country and, like, donate them, because they just right. do that anyway. They just, like, take inventory, and then they ship it out to all their different yeah. stores. Yeah. For sure. But um, yeah, you could do that. I think I should do that, because you never know. Someone might end up with it and love it. Yeah. Uh, a lot, I know that a lot of our old inventory en ended up there, because I remember oh, yeah. seeing some like on, on like Goodwill or, or Salvation Army shelves. I was like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. You, you always find stuff, man. Um, but yeah, uh, that was right around... Ibugogo kind of started right around the same time as Johnny Classic. Um, 2005, 2006. It was like both those things kind of happened as Grimace Malt was dying. It's like we were all kind of finding other places to put our energies into. And Ibugogo started basically just as an offshoot of Grimace Malt. Like it was with two other, two guys from the band. Um, oh, okay. Justin and Gavin, uh, bass player and keyboard player. And we just kind of started playing on our own. Right. I don't remember how that happened. but hmm. So yeah, Ibugogo was the next next project. And that was probably, like, my favorite music project. It was fun. It was really yeah. fun. Yeah, Good I mean, stuff. I told you how I kind of just, like, accidentally came across it. I had no idea you guys were even doing that. And right. it just blew me away because I, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't even know you were playing. I just showed up at the show that you were playing at. 
And I was just like, yeah, I know those guys. What the fuck? Like, what are they doing? <laughs> um, I think that's a, that was a reaction we got from a lot of people. Yeah. It was kind of a ballistic fan that would just kind of walk on stage and hit you over the head in a very bizarre way. Um, right. And it was surprise, would surprise a lot of people, just kind of like the ideas and like the energy and kind of some of the dexterity of the music. Hmm. Um, yeah, it caught a lot of people off guard, I think. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny is that like... Like, I loved it immediately, and, like, the, the for my first initial thought was just, like, this sounds like, all, like, prog rock. It sounds like straight-up prog rock. It like, definitely like, was, like, in, I mean, those were the seeds of it, for sure. It was, yeah. like, prog rock, um, zombie movies, and, um, like, 80s love ballads. It, it, those were kind of, like, the ideas behind it. It was, like, all the movies we grew up with as kids were all being referenced the whole time that's pretty much all 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 we, we weren't really referencing music we were like referencing movies and cartoons all the time so it was like we were we weren't we weren't like oh this has to sound like this it was like this has to sound like this looked you know what i mean like right. this has to sound like a guy falling out of a plane into the water and then being eaten by a shark and then the shark you know this whole we had all these weird scenes playing out as we were writing the music oh, okay. which made it a little more fun to reference things other than music with music Now it's actually not too far from from some of Grubus Malt's like influences too, because like listening back to the to the old catalog of Grubus Malt stuff, I was just like, yeah, this has got a lot of prog rock in it too. It's just not uh, like that kind of heavier, harder edge that that yeah. something like Ibu Gogo was more like, you know? Yeah, I think we were definitely at some point got turned on. Grubus Malt was kind of weird. It's like we changed our influences so much. We were just always looking for some new thing, and it just because we were all listening to a million things all the time and we kind of worked as a democracy, it was kind of like a failed experiment all the time. Like we, I'm not saying we never did anything good. It yeah. just that it was a struggle because everyone had their say and the final product ended up being this kind of amalgam of all this, everyone's taste all at once. So mm -hmm. it was kind of like, um, we needed a leader, I think is what yeah. it was. But we refused to have a leader, you know? Right. right. It was almost, it's like, it's like when people try and pass a bill in, 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 in Congress or whatever, and it starts off with good intentions and then everyone puts their stamp on it until it's not at all what the original intention was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I think that that worked for you guys. I mean, cause yeah. the music was definitely, um, uh, eclectic for sure. And, and I thought that, I thought actually from, a, from an outsider's perspective, that's what you guys were going for. I, th I think it kind of was, I mean, we were, we Mr. Bungle was definitely like a huge influence on us in the beginning okay, and that, that forever, you know, and that, and that kind of style of like, Oh, it's ska. Oh, it's funk. Oh, it's metal. You know, like just that kind of like changing all the time. 
or changing right. with the, you know, one song a million times. Right. That's definitely there, to a lesser extent, maybe, in our music. But, um, yeah, we did some good stuff. We just, we were so, too young to really, like, figure out how to harness, like, what we were good at, I think, is the problem. Hmm. Yeah. We were given a lot of opportunities, and like at each opportunity, we looked at the face, and we're just like, "We know better," you know. Uh, which is, you know, that's what young people do. Some, some more than others. Yeah. Well, it's um, funny. Uh, it's funny to hear you say that because I, I always felt like your music, uh, even in Groove is Small, even like the first recordings you did, were were so mature. I mean, you know, from my perspective, I was like, <laughs> I feel like my band the the superheroes that were coming up around the same time that you guys were starting was a lot more of just like this kind of thrown together haphazard punk rock thing yeah and... i didn't think i didn't think of it as much that that way in fact when i remember i remember hearing your first cd and being like wow this sounds like a real cd whereas on my, our music i always thought sounded like something else i don't know it, oh, like, really? I, I did, yeah it's weird i had the I, I had the completely different impression i always thought ours sounded very immature and like kind of like reflective of our age and then i would hear like a band like yours and i'd be like they, they really have it together oh weird <laughs> so it's yeah. just that whole the grass is always greener on the other side thing because maybe yeah i don't know yeah I, don't know. I mean i don't think i could ever listen to any recording i've ever done and think and like really hear it and be like this is a great recording this sounds awesome this sounds yeah, yeah, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's it's it is really hard man it's like looking in the mirror and being like i look great today you know yeah. people just don't do it <laughs> I, I'm certainly not doing that today. But uh, you, look you look great today. Thanks, man. Um, so yeah, that's out. That's just really funny to hear, man. It's just so so weird because like you know we had such a, a weird tumultuous like relationship as kids, like you know doing those things, growing those two bands together at the same time, and like being in the same space as you said like the last time we talked. Yeah. Um, you know, I um, think that's a lot of it. Yeah, it's just you're you're fighting for this space. You know, right. you know, you, you gotta ha you gotta be number one in in the high school band circuit. Yeah, yeah. I can't even remember who won the battle of the bands. Do you remember that? We did, but we cheated. Uh, we cheated. We uh, <laughs> well, we hooked up with with uh, with the Golden Tongues, who were like Roman Rock, and um, and uh, Roy Cabrera, and all those dudes. So we like played half of our songs and then we were the backup band for like a, a hip-hop group so we were like two bands so we, oh, we kind okay. of monopolized the audience by, by by bringing our audience and their audience together to vote for for one one thing so oh. it's kind of cheating i don't know okay if you say so i don't really care but i didn't realize that either i didn't realize that uh, that that was going on and i didn't realize roman rock was part of that group like the golden tongues mm. oh yeah Man, yeah, yeah I, I did not pay attention in my youth. I really didn't. That's all right. I don't. I remember like really specific things, and then I don't remember entire years. You know. Yeah. Um, I do remember having mono at the Battle of the Bands. Um, that was fun. Oh really? Yeah. I was getting over mono, and for some reason, like my parents were like, "Yeah, it's cool. Go go play the Battle of Bands uh, with a fever." Yeah. Worked huh. out though. Man. Got that like twenty five dollar check. <laughs> there you go. All worth it. Yeah, yeah, totally. So now you were saying how um, you felt like Grubus Malt was kind of more democratic, and so you guys didn't really have a leader. Um, what uh, I, I was, I would have assumed that you and Gavin were kind of the leaders because you were the front guys, you were the, the singers of the band. Uh, yeah, I mean, not really. We, we were the front people, so I guess we had 
we occupied more more of that space on stage like visually we were the leaders we were out front but i it was really there really was no leader if anyone was the leader it would have been gavin but just because he was more on top of things and like kind of managing some stuff behind the scenes uh you know he had more drive than a, a lot of the other mm. members but musically i think he like would have maybe liked to be more of a leader or, or all of us maybe would have liked to be more of a leader but was willing just to operate within that framework where everyone had to say yeah but we, i mean we wrote all our lyrics and stuff so if, but you know I, I don't consider that being like a, a leader like I've, that's one thing I've never understood is like how sometimes people who, who write the lyrics get called the song. They wrote the song or like, do you know what I mean? Like the yeah. lyric writer, the songwriter. Right. Where like for me, that's almost the last, the last, last thing. Right. Unless you're like Leonard Cohen or something, you know. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. it's a general perspective where like the majority of music listeners, like the like the let's just call them like the uneducated music listeners, the mainstream music listeners, let's say. Yeah. Um, they focus on lyrics lyrics are a, a massive right, I think part. yeah I think it's a very important part to, to listeners uh, me not so much I actually really don't care for lyrics that much um, I like more of how they sound with the music yeah. um, but uh, but it, it definitely it does kind of create a, a different uh, perspective I think from from a, from an audience uh, you know the audience perspective it's it's just different that way yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but um so because that was one of the things I wanted to ask you about was that you and Gavin being the frontman of Groove Small, and I would be led to believe that that was make you guys like the leaders of the band, um, with projects that you kind of went on to, went on to to, to create. Um, you kind of stepped away from being the front person or being or, or having lyrics almost at all in some of your projects. Yeah, I mean now especially um, Johnny Classic. You know that was still there was vocals on almost on ninety percent of those songs, and right. you know still doing it there. Ibu Gogo then, yeah, switched the instrumental, and then this, what everything I'm doing now is, is like, most, I'm there, I sing a little bit here and there, but it's not lyric-based much, you know, right. like, little, like, the last, that last album had, you know, one verse that was, like, four lines or something on it, you know, and it does, mm -hmm. it still operates more as, like, music than, than, uh, vocals to me. Right. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know why that is, I guess, uh, I enjoy seeing it. I, I kind of have ideas that, that I would still like to do it, you know, or or even just like pick a pick up a guitar and like write songs that way and record them that way. Mm -hmm. But every time I've tried to operate in that way, it just doesn't seem to work for me. I don't I don't know why. And mm -hmm. I really have nothing to say right now. I haven't for years. Like every I write lyrics, they just don't seem to mean anything to me. So I'm like, well, why am I doing this when mm -hmm. I can? make music that's instrumental and say everything I want to that way, you know? Right. Or at least capture the vibe that I want to capture. Yeah. Well, that was uh, something I was thinking about, too, is this, like, um, you know, I don't really know a lot about your background. So what was, like, the first uh, musical instrument you, you took up? Like, what was your first uh, musical experience like? Um, it would have been piano, I guess, when I was a kid. We all, everyone in my family kind of took piano lessons. Um, and I enjoyed it, but I, I like, refused to read music. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what it is my whole life. I can't do it. And it started at a young age and every time I've ever tried since I just, my brain won't take it. <laughs> I don't know why. It's like, I just want to make the, the music. Like, I don't want to see it. Right. Uh, and it's very detrimental to someone who has ideas, you know, it makes it much harder to express them or even to learn more about theory and stuff. Um, 
So yeah, I took uh, piano lessons when I was a kid, refused to learn, uh, read music. So basically once I, I played everything by ear and just pretended to read music for years. And then once you start getting into more complex music, you, you can't do that anymore. You know what I mean? You can right. start playing Bach or something. And then like after the first few bars, like the teacher realizes that you aren't reading the page. Right, right. Uh, so I kind of like gave it up in shame, I guess. You know? hmm. So then where uh, did you move on from piano when you, when you lost interest in that? Uh, nothing for a while and then drums eventually. But it's the same thing. I, were, I, were, I wouldn't learn like the theory behind it and I just kind of like wanted to bang around on shit. Hmm. And I didn't have a drum set, so it made it even harder. Um, so drums were kind of put aside. Um, until I was hanging around people who actually had drum sets. And then I would just like take every opportunity I could to kind of like mess around with their kit. So I kind of taught myself again to play drums over the years, um, just on other people's gear, you know, right. until I could find, I got my first personal drum set when I was 26, 25, when we were starting Evil Go Go. I needed my own kit. Right. Uh, yeah. um, when you become, when you become huh? the drummer, you kind of need your own set. Yeah, yeah, you, you finally need your own kit. You can't play on everyone else's. Um, but along the way, I, you know, I, I also learned guitar and bass to some degree. I'd say that bass and drums are like my main instruments. They're the ones I play the most. Um, but also, you know, I play guitar and uh, keys and whatever. I can I can get a sound out of whatever you mm -hmm. hand me. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're definitely more of a uh, self-taught and kind of learned by ear you just yeah it's, it's all by ear for me it's a i hate it and i love it you know i think it's a, i think i'm good at it i think i have a good skill there like i think i'm good at listening right. but um i'm missing out on a whole other side of the music world you know right yeah well me too i mean i don't know how to read i, yeah. I don't plan on ever figuring it out at this point yeah it's i still want to i keep telling myself like maybe i should just like take piano lessons like adult piano lessons like when I hear someone play like a beautiful piece of music and I know I can never do it until I learn to read music, I get really jealous. Like, I'm like, I want to do that. Maybe in my old age. I don't know. Hmm, maybe. Maybe you'll just get, get fed up again and be like, ah, oh, fuck this. I don't want to do it. <laughs> That's probably what would happen, especially when you can just like, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Listen to a great piece of music and not have to play it. Right. Uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely hanging around people who were way better musicians and way more learned musicians than me uh helps a lot you know you pick up stuff from from your friends um that helps you figure things out you know and even just watching someone who's way better at music than you are right like in evil gogo -Go, i mean i was playing with like two serious like musicians like i was just playing it by ear like i'm a drummer you know um and I have some skills, but they're my own skills, and they're, they're not really necessarily the normal skills you need. And um, I'm playing with Gavin and Justin, who are just, like, these amazing taught musicians. Yeah. And, you know, they made me way better at, at music, you know, just to be playing with those guys. Right. So I always think that's important. That's why I never practice by myself. I only practice with other people or play with other people. I don't feel like I gain anything when I, when I practice music by myself. Although mm -hmm. you probably do. I just personally don't do it. Right, right. No, I hear you. It, it's it's just not as um, it's not as uh, kind of lucrative. It doesn't feel as good. 
to, yeah. to, to not have anyone to bounce an idea off of or kind of like, you know, have someone to kind of give some feedback or, or just work with and throw out some ideas and mess right. around like that. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's some people, it's like being an athlete or whatever, like to be like a great baseball player, you have to hit a ball 4,000 times in a row every morning. You know what I mean? Right. But like, I don't want to sit down at a drum set and just like do like little fills with my hands for four hours, you know, to get the right motion so I can do it like whenever I want. It just doesn't interest me. It's awesome when people can do it. Uh, I kind of wish I had that part of me like working, but I'd rather just like not play for a year than play for an hour with someone and like have created like a little, little piece of music. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't, I don't, I don't blame you for that. That sounds normal. Okay. But, um, no, the, uh, one of the things I, I want to kind of get into with you for a little bit before we start uh, getting into the album was uh, what was your musical experience like growing up? Like, what was the first uh, album you ever bought? Huh. Um, first album I bought for myself would probably be, uh, or bought or asked for, would probably be Thriller by Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah. And then probably Peter Gabriel's So, which would be right after that. Oh, cool. And I think that Peter Gabriel's So actually affected me way more than Thriller. Um, it's a heavy album, and it's really awesome musically. Um, yeah. Yeah, and no, it's I agree. stuck with me. Are you familiar huh. with it? Uh, I listened to it recently. Uh, I actually yeah. had a copy of it on vinyl, so uh, yeah. kind of just listened to it. Um, that one has basically all of his major hits it's from the big '80s hits. Yes, yeah, like Sledgehammer and um, yeah. Big Time. Yeah, uh, and uh, In Your Eyes, I think, eyes, is on there. Red Rain. It, but in between all those hits are these like crazy kind of like they are almost prog rock. I mean, almost Brian Eno-y kind of like yeah, really cool music. Right. Um, with a pop sensibility, of course, the amazing production, amazing musicianship. Um, so yeah, those I think those were probably the first two. But I lived in like a house where, you know, music was was big. It was my dad was really into music. My sisters, I have two older sisters who were very into music. Um, so I was like lucky in that respect, where we had all the Beatles albums on record. My dad had all the Dylan albums on record, and then my sisters had all the Cure albums and all the REM albums. You know. Yeah. So that stuff was always around. You know. Mm -hmm. uh, so did you always have an affinity for vinyl because of growing up that way, or did you just kind of <laughs> did you kind of get into it later? To a degree, um, I've always had records of some sort like I was never a huge collector I just always had them because I would go to Salvation Army and I'd be like oh this looks cool or whatever or I had some from when I was a kid or I would have some hand me hand me down records or whatever yeah um but we, we definitely growing up you know when I was real little that's what we had we had records and then it was tapes I was probably tapes are like cassettes are probably my big medium not now but growing up I mean that's what I listened to like yeah. I, I I burned through like 10 tape Walkmans every year, you know, mm -hmm. just like 24 hours a day, <laughs> like rewinding tapes and killing each, each Walkman. Yeah. Um, uh, I think this, the DJ shadow record, I probably bought on cassette. I think the first copy I had was cassette. Oh, okay. Even though it came out on CD, I still chose to buy cassettes because, um, every car I ever had, had a cassette player. So I didn't, I didn't want to have to go through the like burning process or whatever. Right. I wanted to leave the store and have it pop it in the in the deck. Right. 
Hmm. Yeah, I definitely always had records. And I think as an, more of an adult, I started like kind of filling out the collection. Or once I started sampling records too, um, you know, then it becomes a whole other thing. Because you're not only looking for music to listen to, but you're looking for something that might have interesting sounds on it, you know? Right. Yeah. Okay, so let's, uh, let's get into the record from there because um, that's a very uh, interesting, like, way of creating music that I am not familiar with at all, like the whole sampling yep. thing. Um, now, I listened to your latest record, um, which is simply entitled uh, One and by Bell, which is with three L's. B-E-L-L-L. -L -L. It was like a, I had to add an L to get the SoundCloud page originally, like 10 oh. years ago. Yeah, that's yeah. And I'm also late, too lazy to like think of clever names anymore, so I figured it's my name with an extra L, and the first album's name is one, and the second album's name will be two. Yeah. So, keep it as simple. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, um, yeah. so I, I, I mean, it's a great record, though. It sounds good. And Thanks. comparing the two of them together, because like, after I asked you what record you wanted to feature, and then you sang DJ Shadow's uh, Introducing... Um, you know, obviously I listened to that record and then I listened to your newest record. I was just like, oh yeah, these, these kind of go hand in hand. Like they're, they're very similar. I can see yeah. a pretty clear kind of through line of inspiration from that. But, um, but this being your first kind of like major, um, I don't know, uh, I, I, I guess major electronic record, would you call it that? Or is it still just I, hip hop? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is for the most part like at its heart it's an electronic music album um, yeah. there's a lot of live instrumentation on it okay. um but some of it is me sampling myself and some of it is just me playing live through you know but at its heart it's a sample based record okay. it's just like i start there you know i start i always start with samples and then by the end maybe if the song is 20 percent samples but it started there you know right um, I just, it's a great place to start for me is to just kind of like find some sounds that you get an inspiration from, or like you, you start, you start hearing a melody that could go over it, you know, and you didn't really have to like sit around playing something forever. You just kind of like created something out of something else, you know, hmm. yeah. I, something about that I really like. Well, that's actually kind of becoming more intriguing to me as I'm getting older and as I'm kind of like becoming more frustrated with like trying to find a band and stuff. And it's like, this is actually sounds like a great way to try to try to try to make some music is, yeah. you know, just find stuff that sounds kind of interesting and then find out how to kind of like manipulate it and yeah. rework it maybe, you know, with extra beats or different beats and stuff and so forth. And yeah, I mean, the tools are, are infinite now, too, for it. I mean, that's one of that's another thing about the DJ Shadow record is that it was you know, it was all made on an MPC. Like, there was no computer or anything. And it's, an MPC is just basically like a, a sampler sequencer, but it's got a, a grid of, like, 16 pads. Okay. And you just, you play music into it, and you can chop it up like this on the, on the pads. And then you can manipulate, like, what's on the pads and stuff. Hmm. Um, but it, it just is a very interesting way to make hip-hop. He does it in a different way. A lot of times, like, a hip-hop producer will, will, ha will sample it in, and so it's, like, on beat. You're sampling it like this. So then you can kind of reconstruct music um, in a different form, but kind of at the same, in the basic form it came in. Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, well, from interviews I heard with him, like, um, I heard him actually, like, breaking apart some of his newer music um but like kind of showing the original sample 
and yeah. like kind of playing that, and so now you hear that. Now this is me without knowing the song, so he's just right. basically playing the sample. He's just like, when I first heard this, this is kind of what I wanted to use. This was the base for me to kind of draw from initially, and then, yeah. you know, plugging it into, I guess, now he uses computers to kind of help compress Probably and more, clean yeah. up files and stuff like that. Um, and then kind of build from there, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. So I don't know, it's a very interesting process. I just, it, it yeah. definitely is intriguing to me at this point, so. Well, yeah, and as a record collector, it's, it's really interesting as well. Like, it, that might interest you even more because part of what I really enjoy about sampling is um, once you kind of get into it, you're looking for samples. You're also kind of, like, interested in what other people are doing. So you're looking at their music and you're trying to figure out where they got their sounds. So it right. opens up this whole other world of music that you probably wouldn't just stumble upon, like talking to your friends or whatever. You know, a lot of it's obscure stuff, um, rare stuff, stuff from other countries. Hmm. Um, so it's just wild. Like the, you, it's like a, just a never-ending maze of like connections you can make once you start sampling or looking at other people's samples. You know what I mean? Right. When you're looking for samples, like I got the record store and any. Thing, any record in the store like it's not like I'm looking for the first edition of, of Tom Waits Rain Dogs you know what I mean I'm you could just go in there and any record in the store now could be gold because it could it could have like two seconds of a sound that that you can turn into something great you know right so it makes music for me it made it made looking for music or or, or listening to new music more exciting than it had been in a long time um, hmm. cool yeah. right well let's get and I, yeah this record was a big part of that Absolutely, I can I can tell. Um, so let's get into this music a little bit. Hey, do me a favor while you have that record out. Can I see like the label of the vinyl? Yeah. You want to see what edition it is? I want to see if I can kind of pinpoint just by the look of it. It's got the original Moax sticker on it. So. Okay. And when did you get that? Well, I got it used. Okay. So I don't. It's not like I didn't get it in 1996. It's pretty scratched up. Hmm. Uh, based on the um, the label, does it say the uh, like made in the UK or Europe? Uh, this one says manufactured in the US. It does. Okay. So that's a, what? That's a later pressing. Uh, it could be still from '96. Hold on, but I just want to. It looked like the like the first original pressings were from like the Europe and UK. So yeah, uh, that it could just be. Um, like it could later... still be. It could still be from '96 because there were a couple of pressings from the U.S. Um, yeah, but... make, it makes sense that they would start in the U.K. and see how it went because it, it was. I remember there being some buzz about this record like before it came out. Um, yeah. But it certainly wasn't supposed to be like the hit it became. I guess underground hit. Right. Um, I think I actually bought it the day it came out. Oh yeah. On tape, yeah. you mean? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I was in New York. Um, I went to, right after high school, I went to school. I went to art school at Parsons, but only for a semester. And it was like, I went there for three months, and it was like probably the most informative three months of my entire life. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It, it, it switched on so many things in my brain um, that I, I just never, like, kind of forgot certain things. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I think I... I knew, like, DJ Crush, and I might have known who DJ Shadow was because of some of his early singles. I think the guy was kind of DJing in Groove Vault at the time when we had a DJ. 
uh, I think he had one of the early Moax singles. Okay. So I think I, I had heard like or the DJ Crush split record with it was DJ Crush, DJ Shadow, like split record. Yeah. So I knew it was, and I knew I had read like some articles about like how this record was gonna like be really good, blah blah, blah you know. Hmm. Uh, so I was anticipating it, and I did buy it like right when it came out in New York on tape. Oh, okay, cool, man. <laughs> so uh, what? Are you, let's see. Um, so Best Foot Forward is the first track, and it's just basically intro track, just kind of like yeah. weird sampling, scratching happening. Yeah, I think that's him kind of like knowing that his his background was in hip hop but that he knew the record was going to be something a little different. And mm-hmm. so he like establishes himself as like a real hip hop DJ at first. That's the impression I always got from it. It's like, mm-hmm. here, I, I'm not just like some phony, like I could scratch, I could do all this shit. And now I'm going to blow your mind with this, <laughs> this other stuff, you know, this movie yeah. stuff. Right. Uh, so yeah, it is kind of just a, I, I actually really like how this record starts with just kind of like the traditional hip hop scratching thing. And then the sample of like the guy talking about music and then it gets into that like super soundtracky uh, piano part and then the really heavy drums. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, so that would probably be building steam with a grain of salt. Building, yeah, building steam is uh, the first real track. Right. Let me, let me uh, try this out for a second. I'm listening to records, I just knew what to do. I'm mainly taught myself and you know i did pretty well except there were a few mistakes but uh, that i made that uh, i have just recently cleared up you know i'd like to just continue to be able to express myself as best as i can on this journey. and i feel like i have a lot of work to do still you know i'm a student and I'm also a teacher of the drums too. <laughs> Very uh, Exorcist-like, you know. It's kind of got that, like uh, Mike Oldfield or what's his name? Myers, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh the guy who wrote. Oh, uh, yeah, what is that? Old Oldenfield? Is that the guy's name? Fuck, I can't remember. I've been saying his name all day today. Like, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it he, is kind uh, of like that. Yeah, or like the yeah the Halloween theme song. Like a tubular bells. Is right. So I forget yes. what his name is. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's kind of got a slight kind of horror movie feel yep. to it it's a little eerie uh yeah. but then i think after those drums come in it really kind of like changes the vibe of it all together yeah and those drums are just so hard like i love the i love the sound of those drums like the first time i heard it i was really not expecting it to be that like big yeah like i'm just wondering if there's something like like because in your music process now it seems that like from from the the vibe of the newest record yeah, it's it's definitely a much more hip hop, more ambient, almost more electronic ish. Yeah. Um, it sounds like it's kind of like pulling away from um, pulling away from the live music instrumentation like aspect. Yeah. Um, like I know you there, said that you did put some on there for, of your own, but it's yeah. it's still based on sampling. It's still kind of like manipulation and then electronic based. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I, part of it. Yeah. That ha- is constructed obviously it's going to change the, the feel but uh and there's some I, I feel like there's a little more swing in hip-hop generally um, right a little more bravado maybe in some of the play or like some of the structuring of like the sounds hmm. um, well so uh, would you prefer to make one or the other at this point or do you think you could still gotta go either way I, yeah i could do anything at any time really yeah 
my mind changes about music every day. I, I think the music I make on my own is kind of, in some ways, set. Like, it's all kind of around what I did on that Bell One album. Mm -hmm. uh, but even the next one is maybe it has a little more rock in it, you know? And then the one after that maybe has a little more, like, ambient stuff in it. But they're all, like, around there. But I could definitely drop it tomorrow and be in a fucking Bad Brains cover band. Like, I don't... You know? <laughs> yeah. It's... What, I, it's all great to me. It's all it's all music. This is just what I happen to be doing like alone. Right. It's easier to make. It's easier to make more ambient music by yourself, for one. You know, mm. um, and when you live in a house with like a wife and pets and stuff, you know, it, you make like aggressive rock based music in your house. And I don't have a band space, so yeah, you know, my surroundings kind of end up like dictating a lot about what what sounds i'm making too right yeah okay well that makes sense cool um i'll, I'll drop it right now if you want to start a fucking raging punk band what the the, the new <laughs> album you mean yeah I'll, I'll stop all my electronic music if someone will start a band with me dude that that's been kind of like my my biggest gripe is being able to find like good and interesting musicians to play with really and that that aren't uh oh. you know insane or inexperienced you know like when the, when the world is done ending we can get together and play some music okay cool yeah. that sounds great i would lo i'd love to try it so uh let's get back into your uh, the record uh introducing Right. Kind of like distorted synth kind of sounds that almost mimic guitar. Um, and that, that is what legitimate trip hop music would you say? Like that kind of. I don't know. Chemical Brothers were more more on the like electronic side of the spectrum. Right. Trip hop, but, I think of more as like Portishead and, and Tricky and Massive Attack. Okay. Uh, like more very British, um, you know. Chemical Brothers were British, I think, but they were more more electronic. They definitely had elements of hip hop and breakbeats, but they weren't like trip hop. Okay, cool. Yeah, like I said, uh, this album is so so weird to me. I mean, like I like it. Um, I've been enjoying listening to it. I yeah. just feel like like you said to me the other night how it all kind of sounds like one track to you. You just kind of just listen to it like straight through and. Yeah, it kind of just seems like I don't. When, when you were saying something about song titles or, or whatever, and I was like, I don't know, I don't think I know any of these song titles. Like, I kind of know them. You know, I know there is a song called Changeling, but until right. like yesterday when I kind of looked it up, I didn't know which one that was. Right. It was yeah. kind of all like an, an album I would put on in the background and just like draw or paint or whatever. And like, it was definitely like a mood music album that you just put on and it kind of like fills the space for a while. Hmm. Um, and songs do kind of blend into each other on it too. Like there's some songs where you don't really know if it, they they've ended or or, or or started, you know. Right. Um. My favorite song of the album is probably the next one after number song, um, Changeling. Which I just mentioned. That's probably that's why I mentioned it. That's probably my favorite one on it. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm and I'm sorry that we couldn't do it in person uh, this time because you know, I mean, I had been obviously I reached out to you like in I think yeah. it was the beginning of March, right? It might have been earlier because then, like shortly after we kind of like we're figuring out a date was this just like oh yeah the world's ending so we're just it was literally like yeah i think like two weeks after we were like figuring it out um i think yeah it happened i'll talk about another record in person okay yeah for sure um hey by the way so i i went out one night to go see uh, triangle force i ran into this guy and i can't remember his name for the life of me right now i was gonna start this off by saying like i heard this rumor and it, yes it's a rumor that's great i'm so glad it's a rumor because this guy told me that he he died and I was just like, what the fuck do you mean? Because Eric, I actually have met on a number of occasions and I got to know him like pretty well. Cause like he would always, like I'd always run into him huh. like out on the town, like just, you know. Yeah, he was of... out for a while. He was the Mr. Party guy guy for a while. Like... Yeah, and so was I. So yeah. we, we always ran into each other and we we got along great. Um, yeah, he's a good guy, yeah, but he's still alive. Good, good. I'm glad to he hear did it. Actually, he did actually get COVID-19, but he didn't die. Oh, really? He's in New York. Oh, Jesus. And so, you know, I mean, a lot of people in New York got it. Um, but he's okay. I talked to him the other day. He's oh, alive. good. He's alive. Cool. Glad I cleared that up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, next time you talk to Eric, let him know I say hi because... Uh, I will. You know, I kind of dropped off. Nice. I dropped I'll off in the city. I'll know about this podcast. Okay, yeah. Everyone else, too. I mean, like, how? so how's Gavin doing? He's out in Oregon, isn't he? Gavin's in Oregon. He's releasing music like crazy. Um... Some of his music is, like, really great. Um, and he just kind of, like, gets a job when he has to and, like, saves a bunch of money. Mm -hmm. He, like, leaves the job and makes music for a couple of years and then gets a job when he has to and then he goes on tour. And then it, it, he's living a very strange life, but it works for him. And, um, yeah, he's, he's good. He just put out a new record a couple of weeks ago. Oh, Fantastic. cool. Heartbreaking, but it's a it's it's a great album. It's a great it's a breakup album, so it's, it's just I don't know. It's an honest like adult breakup breakup album, you know. Oh really? Yeah, it doesn't pull any punches like on either side of the, the relationship, and it's it's just really honest, like honest in a way that I'm like, I don't know how you could even be this honest like on on record, you know. Yeah. I would never. I would have to decode that shit, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in That's metaphor. Cool. But he's like straight up like well that's cool i can admire yeah. that i mean and, and i'm always uh, i'm always down for a, a sad song so i'll yeah, give it a listen that. for sure yeah. now how about your your thing that you were doing with roman rock uh well we haven't done much lately um he had a, a child um and you know that monopolizes a certain amount of time sure does um, when they were preparing for child we were working forever on that puppet video uh and what was that called? Free verse video. It's called Free Verse. Okay. And um, yeah, so we were just like, we thought it would take us like a month. Ah, we'll just learn to make puppets. We'll make a couple puppets, and then we'll like perform with the puppets. But it was like seriously took us like a year, maybe more. I think it took us a year. Yeah. Uh, at least half a year. It took forever. Um, just because of work and just we would get together and we'd like be like yeah we're gonna get this done and then we'd like set up one scene and then like start talking and then it would be like two hours later and we haven't done anything and both of us are a little bit like we're really motivated but but not necessarily willing to take charge at all times so right we finally got it done and it's funny it made a lot of people laugh um, of yeah. all the things done in recent years it was probably the thing i got the most like 
hey man, this really brightened my day kind of vibe about. So, yeah. Question. Do you know how to finger paint? I don't do work for free unless it's for school. So don't try to say, yo, I thought we were cool. Just because you can't see the tools that we use, you assume I do the work free to pay dues. You wouldn't call the plumber when your sink breaks and expect the work done in exchange for a handshake. To make art, people watch it takes time. I expect to be compensated when you use mine. It was, it was worth it. That's cool. Yeah, no, it's a great video. I watched it. Um, it's something I, I need to share with my kids, see what they think of it. Because um, they actually, my whole family actually liked your new record. Oh, nice. Because I put it on in the car as we, we were taking a drive. And uh, my oldest kind of reacts to music. Like, he won't say he likes it. Um, so if you put something on, you just kind of have to see what he does with it. Read him, yeah. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I'm, I was driving, but I could kind of, like, get a little bit of the movement in the back, and I, and I content, I can kind of catch something some movement going on some like nice. you know rhythmic moving i was just like what's going on back there you, you digging the music he's just like yeah it's good nice. i'm like okay cool like cringing and like hitting the ball like yeah well i I've, I've it's not the first time i've said it but uh, my, my kids don't like music like that i don't know what's going on with them that they don't really at you know, all as much as i play music around the house and not even instruments i mean like just putting music on all the time like they never ask me about what I'm playing. They never ask me like, you know, like, can I play something or can can you put something on for me or can you get me something? Yeah. Like they have no connection to like, I don't know, like popular music in general, which is kind of weird. I'm just like, cause I, I've been trying to kind of immerse them in it ever since they were born. You know, it's just kind of like trying to make them little playlists that they can have on their little devices and say like, you know, okay, this is kid friendly music, you know, get into this. Yeah. They never put anything on for themselves. Maybe that's why, because you're you're pushing it too hard. No, Dad, no, I, no. Dad likes music too much. We gotta <laughs> we gotta avoid this. Right. Well, now that now they're at the now that they're at the point where they can speak, I just talk to them and say like, "Hey, did you hear anything that you like?" You know, and like the only thing that I've been able to make a connection with is the whole friggin' uh, Lil Nas X thing. Oh. The Old Town Road. Yeah, that was a big. Yeah. That, was, that brought the nation together. Oh, God. <laughs> But th that's the one my kids would say, like, I like that song. It's just like, okay, like, anything else, though? Like, I mean, like, do you, like, you know his name. You know that song. Right. Any other songs you've ever heard of before in the world that, like... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder how... I, see, I don't have children, so it would, it's really hard for me to even, like, fathom, like, a, a, my child not liking music. Like, something that means so much to me, like, having no interest in it. Right. That would probably, like, yeah, that would, that, would do, that would definitely do things to my brain. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I don't, I don't push it on them, you know. But no, I, I just right. try to get a vibe. I'm just like, what, like, my, what my are they interested in? Video games. That's kind of, kind of, basically it, you know, like uh, that, and then like, you know, certain types of TV shows. Um, yeah. There's a certain amount of books that they they like, but it's kind of like, I don't know. They're still finding themselves, I guess. And I, I just kind of, I kind of just want to find out what they what you know what it is that interests them because i don't care yeah. if it's not music that's fine you right. know like just get into something though so that i can kind of kind of help you get into that direction you know yeah because the younger they start the better i really think you know for sure yeah because you started playing music at what age probably like i don't i don't really know seven or eight probably for piano lessons really okay so that's pretty, pretty young yeah 
Yeah. But I was always interested in music. It was just something I always definitely reacted well to. Music and art, I always wanted to draw and I always wanted music around. So. Yeah. Yeah. My kids are good artists, but they don't show any interest in music, really. Well, art, you know, that's the thing. Oh, you know, actually, um, my oldest got um, this thing. Um, I don't know if you know what it is. It's called a automaton. Don't know what that is. At automaton? It's, I think it's called a automaton. Automaton. It's uh, this weird Jap like Japanese or Chinese instrument. It is crazy, what and is it? it is like. Um, is it O T O? I'm gonna no, I think it's uh, A U T. Oh, automaton or something like that. Um, so it kind of looks like a like a little Pac-Man thing on the bottom. I think it's basically a, a replica. Like it's supposed to be this instrument that looks like a musical note. So it's got the big round end on the bottom, but it's got like a Pac-Man head, and then it's uh, this long shaft, and that's like the um, the finger pad, and you it, it kind of plays like a um, like a yeah. fretless bass almost. Oh, but it's, weird! But it's all digital, so you squeeze the fucking Pac-Man's head to to kind of open up its mouth, and it kind of like the mute the sound comes out of there. Yeah, so it's a cross between like a theremin and a. In a stand-up bass or something. Kinda, yeah. yeah. It's weird. So, so it goes like, like that kind yeah, of stuff. You can do that, but I mean, you can also just like you know finger notes and then like you know play whatever. And um, if you look it up on YouTube, there's like some guy that does a bunch of different like song covers using that instrument. I gotta get this thing. It's only like thirty bucks. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, get you get the the biggest one because there's a couple of different like sizes. Uh, if you get the largest one, it kind of has a couple of different sound settings. Maybe I know what my next uh, my next album is going to be played on. Yeah, actually, it probably would oh. go. It, it would go along well with the uh, Johnny Classic thing, I think. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I, I was playing around with that for a little bit, and so we had a little jam session with that. I played a ukulele, and he was playing his automaton. There you go. And um, so that was the, the breaking of the ice as far as music is concerned. So hopefully we can try to do a little bit more of that. You just had to, you had to find the weirdest instrument to possibly <laughs> like, learn. I had to wait for them to fucking create it. I mean, like, yeah. I don't even know when that thing kind of hit the market. It's bizarre looking, man. It is. It's very bizarre. It's. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do more research on that. Okay. Yeah, look up the songs on YouTube and you can uh, kind of oh. like hear what people can do with it. I mean, it's pretty... It's pretty miraculous, I think, as far as that, like a single instrument creating all of these, like different sounds and and so affordable. It's like that—that's one of the weird things. Like when we grew up at a time where everything was so like music making was so like cost prohibitive, you know, um, and especially recording it. Like think about how hard it was for us to like record an idea. Like when we were oh, working, yeah. I had like I would do like uh, pause tape things where you're like you have two. Uh, two tape decks or whatever, oh, and right. like play something into one, and then like you, you kind of pause it, play, and like so you're looping it in one, and then you try and play over it here to get like some weird two track action going on. Right. You know, recording two things into another uh, boombox or something. Yeah. Like, and now you just have a computer. It, the fucking computer comes with all the shit you need to make like literally a professional. People have made albums in GarageBand, you know, that have made millions of dollars. And, yeah. It's that's, great. I, I, I'm glad, kind of, we had to struggle so much, but I also am very jealous that kids have it so easy with, like, that stuff. I mean, they have yeah. it harder in, in a lot of other ways, but uh, if they want to make music, it's pretty damn easy. 
Yeah, no, they don't struggle at all. That, that's the, that's the dilemma of the of the new generation is that they they get everything instantaneously. But that is the struggle. Is that Fuck it's all that. There. That's not a struggle. The existential like problem, you know. I'm gonna shit my kids off to a, another another country to let them see, you know, see some some it, true struggling. See what it's like. You still have some Bolivian connections? Oh yeah. yeah. There you go. Even if I didn't, I'd be like, that's where you're gonna go. Yeah. <laughs> You'll figure it out fast. <laughs> did, did you spend time there when you were a kid? I know your brother did. Yeah, right? my my brother spent more time than I did. I, I it was really weird because um, they like all of my brothers basically left the house at once. Oh, I have three okay. older brothers and I'm the youngest, so yeah. Um, my oldest got uh, this girl pregnant and he ended up living with her, so he moved out. Um, my other brother, who's a year older than me, Oscar, got a girl pregnant and my father shipped him away. To Bolivia for uh, for the remainder of the school year, and wow. um, then the following school year he actually went back to this school in Bolivia, and my the last brother in the house actually joined him for his final school year, Javi. Yeah, I remember I remember that right. So that last year, they both left at the beginning of the school year, and I was going to school You're by alone. myself. You know, I was all alone, and it was it was tough for me because uh, I didn't realize that I actually loved my brothers at that point. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Like, the first day was great. I was just like, hey, I don't get beat up or tight tees anymore. This is awesome. And then, like, I was like, oh, I'm completely alone. This sucks. Yeah, that sucks. So um, we, I went out there in, like, February. And it was great. It was a great experience. Uh, so I only, spent, I only spent, like, five months, I think. Yeah. Um, but the school, the school we went to was amazing. The kids we met were amazing. There were all these kids from all over the world. It's an international yeah. school. Nice. Um, and we got to play some music out there, which was weird. Like, Why was it, what was weird about it? Just um, because we weren't very experienced. Like uh, we were very very new to learning, especially me. Um, yeah. And uh, so we were just being like playing covers, you know, just popular music uh, from the '90s at that time. Uh, we played at a um, a indigenous farmer's wedding by accident. By how by how by accident? Because we because my my grandfather owned land uh, in the countryside, and uh, so he would take us out there like for weekends which is the worst thing in the world it's like you want to talk about roughing it it's like there's yeah. no no electricity like you know adobe huts that type of thing you know picking fucking potatoes in a, on a mountain right yeah not great um but so we were invited to this person's wedding these farmers campesinos and mm -hmm. they had a band playing like what you can probably imagine of what a band might be playing in the countryside of bolivia and yeah. my grandfather what's that more traditional music than what you guys are about to do? They, they were doing some some covers too, but it was definitely like, you know, that style of music, the kind of mariachi-ish, yeah. like kind of uh, cumbia cueca mm -hmm. Latin music. Um, and yeah, my grandfather, for some reason, uh, was talking to some of the people like in the band or something, and it was just like, hey, my, my grandsons play music. You're like, can, can they... Would you mind if they play a song or two? And, and he's and they're like, yeah, of course, you know, for you, yeah, okay, yeah, we'll do it. Everyone's dream. Come yeah. True. So my grandfather just hooked me up with a gig. <laughs> and we have to play the songs that we know, which at the time were like, I think maybe we played like "Soul to Squeeze" by the Chili Peppers. Just because we were like, this is probably the most mellow song we know right now. Yeah. And good line trying to figure out like the eq on this guy's like bass cab just like oh man what why like everything's like turned down like what the fuck is this guy doing like so i'm fiddling with all his knobs and we're playing and then it's a it's a harrowing experience 
because yeah, could, we could see them all looking at us being like why who are, are these guys and what are they doing right yeah like, why are they ruining my wedding <laughs> <laughs> but um but it's cool i mean uh so you never got to do any international gigging or what did you no no it's like my biggest kind of regret i i really wish we could have done that um i mean i've been overseas a couple times in my life but like not in that way i feel like if you're in the right band uh, and the right international tour it can be a lot of fun even if you're roughing it you know right you end up in such weird situations i know from just all friends who have done it like you know many people i've talked to about it uh yeah it's something i definitely missed out on i feel like ibu gogo could have like done that well um but um we just didn't weren't around long enough to get there yeah because kind of prog-based bands can do really well overseas still. From what um, I hear about, like, any kind of band can do well over there. If they're that, from well, that's the true, yeah. yeah. It's just like a different world, really. I get to see something new, yeah. Huh. Different American. And, and you guys never uh, got to release anything on vinyl either, right? No. I really wanted to do some of my stuff on vinyl, but just the cost, you know. I'm it's not expensive. making any money off of stuff, and I'm not putting much into it. Uh, so... Yeah, it, maybe someday. I mean, I would really like to, to do that. Even if it was just a, se a series of, like, seven inches or something, like, small. Hmm. Yeah, that's not bad. I, yeah, I just looked into it. It's uh, not terribly expensive. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. I would love to do, like, a set of seven inches that's just, you know, like, track, track, and, like, maybe five of them, like, in a nice, like, design box or something, you know? Hmm. Someday. Get okay. Something to think yeah. about. Yeah. I always got ideas, just making them happen. That's the... um, so one other thing I was uh, kind of curious about, like, um, what what did happen with Groove Small? Like, why did you guys disband? Um, I mean, it's a long story, but the short of it, or the semi-short of it, would be, um, it just it just we we missed a couple opportunities that we had, or we we botched them. And it, and I think that the uh, fallout from that kind of stuff was almost just like broke the the heart of the band. Oh, it got. We had opportunities to make things a lot better a couple times, and we just like I said before, I think we were we we thought we were too smart for them, and um, and then we were left in a spot where we like we couldn't progress, we couldn't find a booking agent, we couldn't, you know our label just like gave up on us and uh, mm. we were just all alone. So our last album is kind of like, it's, I, it's my favorite group of small album is it's called maximum unicorn. And it's yeah. really like a very, like this band is giving up album, but in a very good way, it's almost, we like the music almost stopped caring. And we went back to, to some of our roots of like, uh, it's a little more aggressive and a little more playful, mm -hmm. uh, well, you have that whole book theme, too. <laughs> Which makes absolutely no sense on purpose. It was almost like uh, trying to tie... We, we thought it would be funny to make like almost like a faux concept record that, like, a reason to tie all these disparate songs together, uh, but it ends up not making any sense at all. Which it doesn't, and it's fun. Um, but it's funny. At that point, I think we really embraced our senses of humor again. Like, we stopped being serious about it because we knew it was basically over. Right. So we just had fun with that last record. Oh, okay. But it was really, it was just, you know, we had been doing it for 10 years and it was like we we had hit a high point 
and it was like, okay, we have a chance to 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 make the next step, and we just blew it, and uh, things kind of fall apart slowly yeah, after that. Right. Now that you're saying that, uh, like, kind of blew it, was that because of the label thing with the Lakeshore? Uh, well, uh, we made the wrong choice. There, we had a few options besides Lakeshore. Like, there were some people who were kind of like courting us and like were trying to offer us like. Here, we'll kind of, like, nurture you into a major label deal. You just have to kind of, like, start thinking about music a little differently. Which, of course, a major label is going to be like, we need to get some fucking songs that people can listen to. Right. Uh, and I think now, if someone put that on the table, I'd be like, yeah, like, hook me up with a producer. Like, good idea. Let's turn, like, what we can do into an actual, like, song, you know, that someone right. can listen to. But when you're a kid, you think you know better, and you think you're... No. You didn't want to compromise. The world is going to change for us. We're not going to change for the world, you know? Right. Uh, It's just, you know... So in that respect, like, we we took the Lakeshore thing because they were, like, jumped in once these other labels kind of had interest. I think they kind of, like, were like, ah, we'll, we'll say that we'll be, like, the artist's label. And it was totally, like, just a failed effort, you know? Hmm all of our parts so because uh, i was curious about that too because when they um like i don't know what happened with them exactly but obviously you guys only did one record with them yeah uh, contractually I, you didn't have you weren't obligated to, to multiple <laughs> records i don't i honestly do not even remember what okay. i signed yeah. i was working at a pizza place and like gavin brought in the contract he's like sign this this is our label deal and i'm like sure I got a pizza in the oven i'll sign it real quick i did not read it i have no idea what it said i trust we did have a lawyer so I trust that it was like a semi-fair deal. Yeah. But I, I think it was just like for one record and some tour support. Like, I don't think it was really a big deal. Yeah. And I remember from the very beginning, we we were like, no, we're going to produce our, our own album. Well, we know what we're doing. Right. <laughs> and, you know, we probably shouldn't have done that because it's okay, but it's it's producing an album the way we wrote songs. So it's like everyone has a say and all every snare drum sounds different in every part of each song and it's 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 kind of a mess you know mm-hmm. whereas live i think there were moments where we really figured out what we were doing i don't think we ever ever recorded ourselves that way if that makes any sense yeah well what i read online said that uh, you guys try to keep your audiences on your toes and kind of like changed up the songs live yeah we had a lot of fun live i mean gavin has like he has a all he has a ton, a ton of stuff probably like boxes and boxes of videos and recordings um but it's so much work to go through them i can't blame him for not putting stuff online but one of the things that frustrates me about the band is that we have this whole career and this the stuff that's online is like really not representative at all of like what we were right live especially um but yeah we would do a lot of things where like we would just completely rewrite songs kind of for a one show you know and then that we'd have this completely different version of a show. So a real, uh, a, a, someone who really knew our music, it would be exciting to see you every time because you, they knew like you were going to change everything up for them, you know, and they would recognize the song, but then it would go somewhere else and they would get excited about that. Hmm. And it was fun for us to not play the same thing over and over again. Um, right. Hopefully, I'd like to hear some of that stuff again because sometimes when I do, I will get together with Gavin and he'll play me like some show or some song and I'd be, I will have completely forgotten that it ever even existed. Right. Um, wow. Yeah, you guys had some crazy uh, bills too. So, because like also online, kind of like uh, there's some some uh, list of like 
bills that you've uh, shared with certain bands. Yeah. Um, did you guys play with the Chili Peppers at one point? We played uh, the WBCN River Rave. Oh, okay. It was a festival. It's not like we opened for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Right. We played on the fourth stage. <laughs> the same day. Yeah, I mean, at noon. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, but we were all technically on the bill with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Right. But you guys did uh, have a number of like opening slots for, for really good... Uh, yeah. national acts. Yeah, and sometimes, like, with uh, Incubus, you know, we, we caught them early on, and they kind of, like, were... Because they were so used to playing with, like, Deftones bands. Like, bands that were, like, corn cover bands or, like, Deftones cover bands, you know? And I right. think we... They were like, wow, these guys are, like, so different. And so they kind of, like, we hit it off with them, and so they would hook us up with shows every once in a while. Even as they got bigger, like, when like if their opening act dropped off or something they'd be like hey can you guys make it to pennsylvania in the next week you know like shit like that so they mm. were really cool and mike the guitar player from incubus like really tried to help us out when we were being very stubborn really I, I always regret like not like paying more attention to some of the stuff he tried to teach us yeah you know yeah because okay. they ended up kind of doing it right i mean you know uh yeah they're I still mean functional band that kind of like tours and makes money playing music and you know has yeah. a following built their audience and they kept it right but, it, really ask. but, it, but there, there's an element of like well did they did they compromise their integrity like whereas Groovis Malt didn't seem like you guys were willing to do that I think that's maybe I mean I don't I don't I don't know because they were really when we met them when they were kind of transitioning from like a, more of a, a heavier, weirder band into kind of like a little bit more of like a pop or like songwriting band. Yeah. It was it right was after really, the SC. Like it was legit. Like they wanted to do it. Like yeah. it wasn't like they were compromising themselves. Like they, they wanted to be a pop band. They realized it was fun to write songs with like a guitar player and a singer and then like bring that to the band and kind of, you know, work on the composition with everyone. Hmm. Which was the exact opposite, <laughs> you know. Everything we we thought we knew about music. Uh, well, you guys yeah. just did it a different way. That's all. Yeah, we did it a different way. Yeah, and now you we're had your own style. Designer, uh, <laughs> lawyers and shit. Yeah, yeah. Eric's a lawyer, by the way. Did you know that? No. Yeah. What kind of lawyer? He's a he's actually a decent lawyer. He's decent. Oh, well, that's he good. Helps- uh, he helps out with uh, with uh, landlords and shit. Like uh, I don't know what it, what exactly it's called. Uh, oh, like um, like real estate law, like. Uh... But on the side of the tenants. Oh, okay. Like, uh, so, and... like public interest law or something. You know, it's, it's something somewhat noble. Uh, you know. It depends on what side of the fence you're on, really. <sighs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's noble. Sounds noble. No, no, I I I I do agree with that. I'm just saying because I used to no. be a, a property owner, so you oh, know, okay. Eric oh, yeah. would be a guy yeah. I would not want to hear from. Yeah, yeah, for sure, <laughs> I get it. And yeah, Gavin was having some problems with tenants recently, so he probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have liked Eric too much either. Yeah, if um, you if you own property that you rent, you most likely run into some problem at some point. <laughs> it's almost inevitable. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I, yeah, I, I often wonder like if um, we've had offers to like get back together and like do a like kind of reunion show, and we've thought about it. But I, you know, I, I can't really imagine Groovy Small ever getting on stage and playing at this point. Really? <laughs> I, 
Not really. I just feel like we've aged out of it so hardcore. Um, I, it just seems like it would be silly to me. Hmm. If we really picked and choose, chose songs, like maybe we could structure something that would make sense uh, with our current brains and bodies. Right. Uh, but, huh. Uh, yeah. Well, I think it'd be interesting. Um, I, I'd be there for sure. Um, I think that I think a lot of people would probably be there. Yeah, we could probably we could probably fill one room for one night at some point. Like, right. Okay. Uh, well, we'll try it because then you know then if you see that the uh, you know the the uh, attention is a little bit better than you're expecting, then you know maybe just add on to it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Who knows? Well, we're you'll... literally in, everyone is in, besides me and Scott McPhail, everyone is in a different state. So oh. there's no, would not be, that's one of the main issues. It's like, same with Ibu Gogo. It's like, I would totally get that band back together in a second. But I'm here, Justin's in North Carolina and Gavin's in Portland, Oregon. So it's like, there's no possible way to do it. Mm. It's the same with Small. It's like, two dudes in New York City, Gavin's in Portland, Scott's here. Um, you know, just yeah. Wouldn't work. Yeah, no, I guess like makes sense. So for for so you're working on new albums for this solo project. Let's just call it solo project. Right? Yeah, that, that works. Um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, when I released that first Bell One album, it was supposed to be one of a series of I think six albums. It was all the music I started in my 30s and never finished, and I was planning on releasing it in my 40th year. And I just, you know, blew it. And I released one and I couldn't finish the other one. So I'm still planning on doing the rest, but it's just, you know, it, life is, keeps getting in the way. Yeah. Uh, I was telling you, like, I had just kind of, like, gotten back into the swing and I was, like, recording every weekend and, like, making a lot of, like, headway. And then my, the, <laughs> my roof started leaking in my studio area. And so uh, we, I had to, like, take my entire studio down and, like, throw it in the basement so they could repair the roof and then repair the, the ceiling and all that shit, which is happening now this yeah. week. It was like, as soon as you get stuff rolling again, it's like life just kind of punches you in the face, mm -hmm. but it's okay. That stuff will get finished. And you know, I, I, I'm, I'm glad I have like a few people here and there, like asking me like, when's the next thing coming out? You know, it's nice, but, um, I just not like I have people like banging on my door for it. So I don't feel like guilty about not finishing it. Right. It's more of a personal thing at this point. I really want to. I want. I worked on so much music that never has seen the light of day that I really just want to get it out so I can like start the next thing and have like a clean slate. You know, that's right. more of what, like cleaning that slate. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, I can get that done. So, what you don't you don't have a projected as like an estimated time that you think maybe the second record will be done by? I don't know. I mean, I might even. I mean, might put other things out before that like there's there's a couple more like beat tape things like more standard hip-hop uh instrumental beat uh oh, okay. albums i have uh, and those might even come out before the next like proper bell album that falls into the same like group of music or same like five like there's like a computer full of a hard drive full of music and those are on there as well i come out sooner i would say a year there will be some new music but i really have no idea hmm. okay yeah. It's funny for, for me too. It's like the record. I was trying to say it the other day, and I don't know what the right way to say it is. Is that the record? When I got the record, the situation I was in means more to me than the record itself. So the plate, the the part the record played in my life when I got it, 
means more to me than the music does today. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Just well, what it did to my brain and what it led me towards afterwards with sampling and even just like appreciating jazz more or appreciating like random like shit you find in the record store more. Like it just opened me up to something else, I guess is what it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's why I hold it in such high, high esteem. But I, other people like it's I'm not alone. Like, but I hold it in high esteem more for very personal reasons as opposed to what is like the music on the album. Right. So do you mean like, uh, especially like where you got it and who you were with at the time? Like that? I think so. Yeah. I think it, it, yeah, I think so. Um, like I said, I was in New York and, um, I, I was in a suite. So it was like with me and three other guys and we were all very different people we all had certain tastes that kind of like overlapped and this album was one of those things that kind of everyone could listen to hmm. um but one dude was like straight up into hip-hop one guy was like indie rock and bowie guy one guy was like more into reggae and jazz and we all got along really well probably because we just smoked a lot of weed and we're making art all the time you know yeah. um but this album kind of like brought all they bridged all that shit together but it also then, like I said, led into other things. Like it led me to go into one of the other guy's rooms who had a sampling keyboard and like learn how to sample and make beats with him, you know? Hmm. And that was the time I ever did that, you know? And that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't kind of like hooked onto this album. Right. Uh, so it's just like, a, it, that was just three months of my life where like so much happened, just taste making stuff, you know? Right. Brain, brain switch flipping stuff that like, you know, I wouldn't know what, about Chicago post-rock and, like, Tortoise and stuff if I hadn't gone there. You know, I wouldn't know about so uh, Simone. I wouldn't know about, like, all these bands and all this stuff if I hadn't just been in that space for three months. So, yeah. just me thought to be, and this record is a, is a big part of it. Yeah. Well, that's cool. No, I mean, you know, I think that that's a great way to, to like, a great reasoning for choosing a record, because I understand that choosing a record is really hard to do. But even if you had said, what was the first record you bought that, like, changed your life or whatever, I would have ten choices for that. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. No, it's, it's really hard. With, with someone who really loves music, it's really hard to, like, focus your energy on one thing. Because, especially, so you know, some people don't like all genres of music or something. Like, I happen to like all music, and it's just, I take influence from everywhere, and just so much stuff has meant uh, something to me over, over my life. It's like so hard to pick a record that's why i thought this one was cool just because of what it meant to me life-wise and what it led me towards in other ways you know right rather well, than cool. being like you know jane's yeah. addiction just blew my mind when i first heard it you know right right yeah there's plenty of albums that that did that for us uh in, in those you know uh in those teen years of ours i guess yeah i'm 42 years old i'm still wearing a fishbone shirt the band that I liked when I was like eight years old. Yeah, that 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 shirt's great. I met him. That's uh, Angelo, right? Yeah, yeah. He's a, I've met him a few times. He's, I go see them whenever I can. They like bring me so much joy, even to this day. And oh, the yeah. fact that they're still like going crazy out there, it, it, it's great. Yeah, yeah. No, they're a great band, and I, I definitely would uh, would go see them too if uh, if they came around, yeah. or if shows ever happen again. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I know. <laughs> I can't even imagine going to a show right now. I mean, well, does each person get their own, like, little pod? Like, you, you, two people go in, like, a little glass chamber and, like... It'd be, like, shows in cubicles? Like... I feel like it might be that way oof. at some point. It's going to be really interesting to see. 
Um, I'm just glad I am not a touring musician right now that makes a living doing solely that. And there right. are a lot of people really suffering because of it, you know? Oh, yeah. Because um, uh, people who had tours booked, you know what I mean? Or have tours booked next month or whatever. That it's right. just, where do they go? Like, what, what do they do? Yeah, yeah. I just kind of can't wait to see where we end up. I just, it's just so daunting to, to think about, really. Yeah, man, it was great talking to you. Uh, we can do it again sometime. If you ever want to talk about music, you don't have another guest. I can be your fall guy. I love to talk about music. Oh, yeah? Okay. Do it at any time. Well, I'm glad that we could just, you know, reconnect because it's just been so long, man. And uh, and I'm just happy to know that, that I can actually reach out to you and, and that you'd be willing to do that. I'm here. That's and if you want to play music, I'm probably here as well. Okay. I mean, yeah. that would be a, a great honor for sure. Cool. I would love to. Cool. Cool, man. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for doing this again, and uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll be in touch soon. Yeah, stay in touch. Thank you.